and welcome to South Asia Chat, a weekly podcast series brought to you by the Institute of South Asian Studies at the National University of Singapore. I'm your host, Nithya Subramanian, an editor here. In early October, the media arm of the Pakistan Army, the Inter-Services Public Relations, or ISPR, had announced that Lieutenant General Nadeem Ahmad Anjum would be, had been appointed the new chief of the Inter-Services Intelligence, or ISI, taking over from Lieutenant General Faiz Hamid, who had been posted as the Peshawar Corps commander. However, despite the passage of days following the ISPR announcements, as we speak, the notification confirming Lieutenant General Anjum's appointment as the new DGISI has not been issued by Prime Minister Imran Khan's office. To share more insights, it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Aisha Siddika to discuss the recent civil-military discord in Pakistan over the appointment of the chief of the country's premier intelligence agency. Dr. Siddika is a non-resident fellow at ISAS, apart from being senior fellow of war studies at King's College London. She is also the author of Military Inc. Inside Pakistan's Military Economy. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Siddika. Thank you for inviting me. Let me start by asking you about this recent controversy over the appointment of the new ISI chief. Uh, it seems to have put the friction, the civil military friction under the spotlight. Could you please share some background to this discord between the prime minister's office and the Pakistan army, given the fact that Lieutenant General Faiz Hamid played a critical role in Afghanistan recently? Well, uh, you know, actually, this this whole uh, drama, uh, high drama came as a surprise to everyone, including us in Pakistan, uh, because for one, uh, Imran Khan, the prime minister, uh, is somebody who has not in the last three years done anything to challenge the military until now. Uh, I mean, he has been a good boy listening to what General Bajwa, Kamar Bajwa, the army chief, says. He's been on their right side. In fact, Pakistan is known for this new model of democracy called hybrid uh, rule which means that you have actually have military commanders taking strategic decisions uh, while it's a civilian government which poses to be in, in, in charge. Um, so, <clears throat> so this kind of friction of sorts came as a surprise of what was happening. And the thing is that, you know, if you look at the facts, uh, General Faiz Hamid had to uh, leave uh, the position of the ISI if not today, then definitely tomorrow, uh, because he has to serve as a core commander for a minimum of six months before qualifying to be considered for the position of the army chief next year. So September, Imran Khan is to make another choice of, of the next army chief. Either he extends this one or selects a new one. So this friction came as really as a surprise. Now, what's going on behind Khan's mind is really his concern that it's General Faiz Hamid who guards his position versus his opponents, um, or the and 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 or that uh, there should actually be somebody he prefers in that position. Technically, if you look at the rules in 1985, there were there was an amendment in the Rules of Business 1973 
rules of business for the government of Pakistan issued by the cabinet division, according to which prime minister is authorized to appoint, to make all appointments from colonel onwards, definitely from lieutenant general onwards. And ISI is not part of the regular army appointment. Uh, this comes under the PMO. Uh, organizationally. Operationally, of course, it's under the army chief. So he should have been the one making the announcement. And I think here the lacuna, the only lacuna here is that uh, perhaps General Bajwa should have cleared it with Imran Khan before making this appointment. So there definitely seems to be uh, a disagreement over the timing of the switch rather than anything else. But with this uh, impasse having prolonged over so many weeks, uh, you, do you think that the same page narrative that Prime Minister Imran Khan and the army chief were talking all these years is running thin and that the civil-military relations will not be the same again? I would assume that there will be, they'll, you know, he'll be shaken uh, here and there. Uh, I think we may see a bit more uh, kind of tension as we enter next year and um, especially come September when the choice for a new chief or extension of this chief is to be made. Um, and and I think uh, you'll hear more rumors from Pakistan about Imran Khan being shaky. Personally, I don't think there is a reason uh, for us to worry about his rule. Um the the main problem with Imran Khan's rule is that it's it's a non-performing government. Uh, it's done very bad as far as economy is concerned. It's done uh, the military certainly in control as far as foreign policy is concerned, and so it's it's not really challenging. And I think a bigger challenge for the army is to then uh, fall on its back because of Imran Khan and begin hurriedly to negotiate with other, uh, other, you know, other political actors, you know, uh, Pakistan Muslim League, uh, Nawaz, uh, the leader of which, the, the three times prime minister of Pakistan, uh, former prime minister, Nawaz Sharif, who sits in London at the moment. Then you have Benazir Bhutto's party, her son, Bilawal Bhutto, who's in, who's in Pakistan. So all these traditional players, uh, and I still think that the military is not comfortable talking to them or taking to their demands entirely. Because if it if it if it exceeds to their demands, then it means that the military has to back down, which I don't think it's in a mood at the moment. Uh, so Imran Khan will be unstable, but uh, you know I feel that he is going to complete his term. Uh, this leads me to the next question. Um, how do you think a compromise will be uh, achieved between the military and Imran Khan, given that this has now become a really high profile, much talked about uh, appointment? And uh, do you think that this would in any way strengthen Imran Khan's position if he manages to get his way and perhaps delay the appointment? Or what's the way forward then, in your opinion? I think uh, as we speak, a way forward is being worked out. And that way forward is that uh, Nadeem Anjum has uh, said his goodbyes in Karachi. He's he's in uh, Islamabad now. He's already had a meeting with the prime minister. And, 
you know, looking at Pakistan's tradition, the army doesn't back down. And for it, for the army institution, this is a matter of pride. It's a mat- matter of, uh, you know, not backing down in face of, of uh, civilian pressure. So I don't think that, uh, you know, so, so the only thing which will be worked out is that even if the prime minister doesn't notify, uh, Nadeem Anjum is likely to take charge. Uh, the other possibility that one had thought of uh, was that the prime minister meets several candidates. Uh, you know, a list of names has been sent. He's already met Nadeem Anjum. He may meet another couple and then decide on his own. It could be Nadeem Anjum. It could be somebody else, a compromised candidate. Uh, but that disappointment has to be made this this week. Twenty eighth is when Fez Hamid leaves for um, for Peshawar. Uh, has to take charge there. Uh, I think it's important to note that Fez Hamid leaving uh, for Peshawar does not disqualify him. In fact, it qualifies him to be considered for the position next year. Uh, but. I think the problem there is that he's become, due to his close association with uh, with Imran Khan and the way Imran Khan has fallen back on him, this whole controversy makes Fez Hamid much more controversial within the army circles. And the army itself would be looking at him much more critically, um, you know, for comes next year. So, you know, right now the compromise is... uh, uh, you know, that possibly Nadeem Amjum looks like to be the, the next DGISIN. Um, also, we've heard from opposition uh, leader Mariam Nawaz, who's been very vocal in claiming that Imran Khan has made a mockery of the armed forces and that his government could fall like a house of cards. Uh, the PMLN has also been very critical of the army's involvement and has spoken about respecting the vote. How do you think the opposition will capitalize on this uh, disturbed civil-military relationship, which we are seeing now? A couple of things which I'd like to point out. Firstly, that there has been change in military's rhetoric. Uh, from you know giving respect to vote, uh, they've, they've changed the slogan to uh, respect for work. So when they were contesting elections in cantonments, uh, Contonement areas uh, around the country, it was not respect for vote, it was respect for work, which is much more acceptable to the military than uh, respect for vote. So that's one. So there's change in rhetoric. The other is, I think this whole emphasis uh, against Mariam's emphasis against uh, Fez Hamid means that. Um, you know, it's it's not just simple. I mean, they started off, the father and daughter started off with criticizing Fares and Bajwa. What we see here is that now Fares is being separated from Bajwa. And PMLN is turning around and saying, all right, I'm going to have a compromise with the sitting army chief, uh, but not with the former ISI chief or about to be former ISI chief. Uh, they're trying to work the strategy of the one separating army chief and ISI chief, but also in the same stroke, trying to put ISI chief, former ISI chief and Imran Khan in one corner so that comes next election, which is 2023, uh, Imran Khan is not able to use military support to get 
selected again as he did in 2018. Um, you know, that seems to be the workable strategy at the moment because I don't think that any opposition party at this point in time would want to take over charge, uh, you know, take, uh, would want this government to, to end abruptly, uh, you know, by, by, some, by some quick action and, and take over charge. Uh, there's so much ugliness in the political scene, in the social scene, that they'd rather Imran Khan complete his term and then gets voted out instead of feeling like a political martyr. In fact, um, Maryam Nawaz Sharif pointed towards it, towards it. She said, we'll not allow him to become a political martyr. So essentially what you're saying is that the government will somehow manage to complete its term before fresh elections are called in 2023. Would that be a correct assessment? If it's not early elections, I mean, the two possibilities, one is 2023 elections in 2023 and uh, early elections. In 2022, I see less possibility of that because there will be too much happening in 2022. Uh, I mean, if we start working towards elections, uh, we're looking at, you know, June, July, August, and, and, and that's the time when a new chief is to be appointed. Uh, so... 22 is, is too busy. I think what's important to understand is that this government is bleeding as it is. It's bleeding profusely because of its very poor economic performance. It has squarely failed govern in, in terms of governance. It has squarely failed in terms of economy. Uh, inflation is very high. Uh, you know, Pakistan government right now is negotiating with with the IMF uh, for uh, you know for for more aid, uh, which means that uh, because and and it has been unable to to raise taxes, which means that again, uh, fuel prices are going to go up. It's going to jack up fuel prices. It's going to jack up electricity, all utility bills. So pressure is going to come back on the poor people, uh, which means that there's no way in hell that. Uh, this government can survive comes next elections. Uh, finally, you did mention one um, challenge, which external challenge that Pakistan is facing, which is the IMF. But then there are several other international challenges also before it, like the Afghan situation where it, Pakistan has played a very active role in the Taliban uh, government. Uh, also, its relations with the U.S. are at a new point, and there are concerns on the CPEC as well. So, do you think the internal tensions between the army and the and the prime minister's office, the internal institutions, will stand in the way of these external challenges? I wouldn't say that external challenges uh, are a problem as far as civil military is concerned, and that is, in fact, where military had gained a lot of ground in the past few years, that there was absolutely no interruption. It was solely in charge of uh, foreign policy and security policy making. So what we see, and, and not just that, it was slowly shifting the fulcrum of decision making from the Ministry of Defense. Uh, what we saw in the last three years was the Ministry of Defense going defunct and the new uh, National Security Division actually being pumped up. Um, 
And for the military, the National Security Division is more important, primarily because uh, the four four-star generals, which is the Army Chief, the Air Chief, the Naval Chief, and the Chairman Joint Chiefs of Staff Committee, are full members of the National Security Committee, of which the National Security Division is a secretariat. So they're pumping this up. Uh, the new NSA is, uh, you know, more of a military's man. He's a civilian, uh, but lacks the confidence or the gravitas to um, of of his predecessors who were generals. Uh, so you know, much much more more easy to play with, and and that's the kind of national security division which which the military wants, and with its help is it's um it's 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 evolved a foreign policy in which it couldn't play its hand um i would like to point out that yes cpec seems to be uh not very active but it's not inactive as well uh i, <clears throat> I think we have since cpec started in 2016 there is too much focus on cpec and it has diverted our attention away from the traditional China-Pakistan relations, which seem still very steady. Uh, they continue to be, I would say, they continue to be of what they were during the 60s, 70s, 80s, and the 90s, in which, uh, despite Pakistan's relations with the United States, it had kept uh, China close to its bosom and, and vice versa, uh, the defense security relations are continue to be very strong. However, what Pakistan has offered to do and what it's trying to struggle with is to keep relations, though not at the same pace, but relations with United States ongoing as well. Um, a relation that we don't speak about really is uh, the relation between uh, U.S. And, and, and Pakistan navies. Uh, in the Indian Ocean, there continues to be cooperation, there continues to be dialogue. Uh, so on the one hand, we understand, and, and, and let's not also forget that as far as Afghanistan is concerned, on counterterrorism, these are two areas on which in the United States and Pakistan will continue to talk to each other. Pakistan will not be a frontline state. Uh, Pakistan will not perhaps get aid from, from the United States. That's the writing on the wall. But I think what Pakistan intends to do, which it, can, which it is doing, is continuing to stand inside the room, if not on the table. And right now, that's what the intention is. And that is what the army uh, is, you know, is trying to achieve on its own. Thank you so much, Dr. Siddika, for this wonderful conversation. And I'm sure there'll be much to talk about going forward. So we look forward to having you at another episode of South Asia Chat. Thank you so much. It was very enjoyable. You were listening to South Asia Chat. To learn more about our work, visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg. Also follow us on our social media handles, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you.